0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Exodus chapter 5. This chapter begins the narrative of Moses and Aaron's prophetic mission to Pharaoh. We pick up the story at verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, it's worth noting here that this is the first use in the Bible of the standard prophetic formula, Thus saith the Lord. Moses, of course, is the archetypal Old Testament prophet, and the job of an Old Testament prophet was to speak the word of the Lord. The prophets had authority not in and of themselves. Their authority was, to use a New Testament term, that of an apostle or ambassador. That was the original meaning of the word apostle before it became attached in a formal sense with the disciples of Jesus. It meant simply sent with authority. An apostle was an emissary, and his authority was that of the one who sent him. And so it is here. Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh as apostles, as it were, as emissaries empowered to speak on behalf of Yahweh. But Pharaoh is not impressed, as we see clearly in verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Remember that whenever you see in your Bible the word Lord spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you are seeing a representative of the name Yahweh, which most English translations won't translate for fear of offending Jewish sensibilities. Uh, Jewish people generally do not pronounce the divine name, which many Christian scholars believe actually is an unhelpful tradition that we ought not to follow. And so some English translations are starting to use again the divine name, but the ESV and most others do not. So just remember that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is Yahweh, and that is particularly important for us to recall in this story. Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh as authorized emissaries of Yahweh, whom Pharaoh deems a lesser divinity to himself and therein lies the central conflict that will shape this narrative from chapter 5 all the way through to chapter 15. This is a conflict between Yahweh and Pharaoh. Nahum Sarna comments here saying, the Pharaoh was the incarnation of a god in Egyptian doctrine. This divine status meant that his power was unlimited that his will was incontestable law, and that his utterances possessed divine force. He regards himself as Yahweh's superior, closed quote. Understanding that is critical to our understanding of the story. God is engineering a contest here between himself and Pharaoh. The entire Exodus is being designed to humiliate Pharaoh and to show the world that he is merely a man, and that he too is subject to the only God who exists, the God introducing himself here as Yahweh. Now, just note from an application perspective that conversion, therefore, is always a movement from the worship of lesser things to the worship of greater things, or from the worship of false things to the worship of true things. See, everyone is worshiping something, And this story is telling us that God will often undermine and expose our idols, the things we worship that we ought not to worship, as part of his program for the capture and conversion of our souls. That can be a very traumatic experience, as indeed it was for the people of Israel. Just put that thought in your back pocket for now. We re-enter our story at verse 3. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Again, as has already been stated, the request to go on a religious pilgrimage into the desert was typical of Eastern conversational etiquette, requests were generally modest initially, and then if they met with favor, would be expanded to match the true intentions that the petitioner had in mind. So here, had Pharaoh said, oh yes, by all means, that sounds marvelous. Moses' next words would have been some version of, may it please the king, let us go and study the ways of the Lord and do all that he commands us to do at which point the Pharaoh would have approved or not approved the next stage of the growing series of requests. But we never get to that point because Pharaoh is entirely disinterested in giving the Hebrews any additional freedoms. And thus he sends them out of his presence and back to work. Verse 5, and Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. So here we see that the new pharaoh has essentially the same fearful attitude toward the Hebrews as his predecessor. He sees them as immigrants and invaders, and he is worried that they will grow and become strong and potentially take over the land. R. Alan Cole says usefully here, Many modern immigration restrictions stem from this fear. Christians should carefully ponder their attitudes to such laws on the basis of Scripture, noting how readily... Fear leads to hatred and cruelty, as here. That is well and helpfully said. Verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle, Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it. and Pay no regard to lying words. It will be helpful for us to remember here that the taskmasters are Egyptian overseers while the foremen are the Hebrew overseers. The Egyptian overseers would have received their instructions from Pharaoh's underlings and they would then execute those instructions through the Hebrew foreman, who no doubt had some facility in the Egyptian language. It is unlikely that all the Hebrews could speak Egyptian, but it is certain and obvious from the story that some did speak it very well. And likewise, we assume that these Egyptian taskmasters would likely have had some basic facility in Hebrew. The main thing to observe in this section of the story is Pharaoh's response to the initial request of Moses and Aaron. You want more freedoms, he says? I'll give you less. He responds, of course, as all petty tyrants do. In fact, his response reminds us of the response of young Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, in 1 Kings 12. When the people asked for leniency, he responded by increasing their burdens. He said, You didn't like my father's whip? I will scourge you with scorpions. Here we are beginning to see the process by which Pharaoh is being revealed as a mere mortal. He is no god, he is not even a very wise or insightful king. He's a fool who thinks that he can solve every problem and answer every question with a fist. Pharaoh's out of his league here, and this situation is about to spiral completely out of control. Verse 10, so the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Now notice again the conflict at the center of this drama. It's a conflict of authority. The taskmaster says, thus says Pharaoh, which is, of course, presented as a contrast with the prophetic, thus says Yahweh. The question, then, is whose word will rule the world? The word of man or the word of God? That's the root question behind every redemption story. The word of man is always, ultimately, tyrannical in the end. The word of God, on the other hand, leads to life, freedom, and human flourishing. So here we see Pharaoh trying to enforce his word upon the people of Israel, and that leads predictably to terrible hardship and injustice. Verse 15. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, "O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. So the foremen who are Israelites cry out to Pharaoh. The Hebrew here is the same as was used in 2.23. There they cried out to God and he had pity on them and began to move and act for their redemption. Here they cry out to Pharaoh and he has no mercy, no compassion, and no interest whatsoever in relieving their burden. In fact, he increases their burden. They now have to gather their own straw and still meet the daily quota for bricks. And all of this, of course, is designed simply to crush their spirits. The foremen say, in essence, we are being treated unfairly. But of course, Pharaoh intended for them to be treated unfairly. That was the whole point. He wants to break them and dehumanize them because he is afraid of them. But the foremen are not yet capable of seeing the big picture. They just know that their life just got a lot more complicated and they're not happy. They go to Moses and Aaron and complain, you were supposed to be our deliverers, our rescuers. Well, this rescue stinks. All you have done is put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses and Aaron are, of course, quite dismayed by this turn of events. They no doubt thought that things would work out much more directly than they eventually did. Such is the experience of all people in ministry. God is always playing the long game. He's always doing a deep work. And he is not interested in straight lines or easy fixes. He is after the root. He's building a foundation and he's telling a story that will reverberate to the furthest reaches of creation. So you have to prepare yourself for some ups and downs. There will be twists, turns, disappointments, and delays. That is the pattern of all true redemptive stories. Matthew 4, 16 says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death... On them, a light has dawned. That is the shape of the gospel, my friends. Old Testament and new. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And hope to see you again tomorrow, right here, for another episode of Into the Word.